This episode of Finding Demo Surf Fishing is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head on over to dscustomtackle.com and take a look at all the things they have on the website. Rigs, floats, teasers, swivels, floats, beads, you name it. He's got them on there. If you need to get your stuff, head on over to dscustomtackle.com, fill up that cart, get those orders in, and get them sent out to you. His newest realm of the -the glow-in-the-dark floats that look like sand fleas, Oh, yeah. Those are going to be nice in the winter this year. They're going to do so good for night fishing. I can't wait. Thanks for DS Custom Tackle for being a part of the team and being on the show. This week on Finding Demo Surf Fishing, we are again getting on the road, but we're back in the U.S. Yeah. Well, we're still in the U.S. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with the Kids Can Fish Foundation. That was a lot of fun to talk to them. They got a great thing going, and they really have a good vision. I mean, how can it not be good when you're starting to talk about kids and helping them fish? I mean, that's awesome stuff right there. Well, we're just going to move a little bit north of them, though. We're going to go up to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we're going to talk with John Scheidel of Myrtle Beach Surf Fishing Adventures, LLC. And yes, I had to enunciate that because it's a lot of words, and I want you to remember them. So... Here we go. We're going to get into this. It's going to be a great episode. Lots of cool things to talk about. We were talking about a ton of it pre-show. So without further ado, I'm going to stop running my jibs. You're listening to Finding DMO Surf Fishing. Here we go. buddy new day well new week new episode all new great things i love new new and shiny smells good well i hope you're doing well wherever you are everything's been going good for you the fishing is getting better in all the areas that you have and you've been picking up some cool new tricks from every episode because i know i have been picking up a ton and using them and it's just making me more dangerous and i'm loving it hopefully it's doing the same for you like I said, we're getting on the road. We're heading up to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We're talking with Myrtle Beach Surf Fishing Adventures, LLC, and it's going to be a glorious episode. So hope you got your notepads ready because we're getting into it. Without further ado, John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for the invite. And uh, I just have to say it's my honor and my pleasure. Oh, it's my honor to have you here. I'm excited. Like I'm all, I've been all excited for this since we started talking on Messenger. I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this right? How am I going to do this just right? <laughs> and, and so far, uh, everything's lined up. So uh, I, I know you've got a ton of knowledge and you've got a hell of a story, and I'm excited that we're going to be able to tell it today. And uh, I hope you're ready because I know we've got a ton of questions to go through. Yeah, we'll try to make it time appropriate, stick to our guns, and uh, – Maybe not run too long, but uh, I would like to get my story out there because you've given me the time, and uh, so we'll jump right in it whenever you're ready, Brian. All right. Well, well then let's just jump right in. So start at the normal one that we always start. Tell us your story because it's going to be a good one, and what got you into fishing? Well, Brian, um, so I, I'm originally from western North Carolina, uh, Cleveland County, Shelby area, and so I, from a the time I was old enough to walk, I had a fishing pole in my hand. Um, I would go out. Anytime my parents would let me out of the house, I would go find me a farm pond. I'd find a stream, a river, and I'd start, you know, I'd even dig up my own night crawlers, my red worms, just to start fishing. So my first passion with fishing came from fishing freshwater, of course. 
And um, as I went through time, uh, joined Boy Scouts with the scouting program, provided fishing opportunities. And then uh, when I was about 14 years old, I started working for a guy with a loan maintenance business. His name was Doug Fortenberry, or his name is Doug Fortenberry. With that being said, um, he was probably the one of the most professional fishermen I've ever met in my life. Uh, he uh, he's just had so much knowledge that was passed down through generations to him, and he didn't have any children at the time, so he uh, shared that information with me. So as we was cutting grass with this lawn maintenance business, all it took was a raindrop for the windshield wipers to come on. When the windshield wipers came on, uh, we were done working and we went fishing. <laughs> Oh no, not rain, not that. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, in Western North Carolina, huh, we get ever thunderstorms every afternoon, so uh, we spend a lot of time on farm ponds, um, catching brim, bass. Um, had a small boat, we'd go out with a little trolling motor and fish from the middle of the ponds to the edge. Presented a lot of uh, catching opportunities that I'd never really experienced from fishing from the bank. Now, with all that being said, uh, my some of my favorite fishing with him was in the uh, Broad River and uh, in the upper end of Cleveland County was fishing for smallmouth. We'd wade down the sm uh, center of the river and just cast and caught some smallmouth. And uh, that really just kept my passion going for fishing. So fast forward about 10 years. Uh, came to Myrtle Beach on a vacation with a friend of mine, and his name was Chad, or his name is Chad K. He um, he and I are in the fire service together. I'm a full-time firefighter, and uh, he he brought his surf fishing gear, and that was the first time I'd surf fished. I was probably 23, 24, maybe 25 at the time. I'm not sure exactly what age, but that's when. Uh, my first experience with surf fishing was and he um he brought his gear we fished we caught some blues we caught some whiting and then during that trip i hooked up and it's my first trip i hooked up with my first redfish ever and it was in october and um that was a life-changing experience for me for surf fishing and fishing in general uh, anyone that has ever caught a redfish knows what i'm talking about a red drum and uh, that from that moment on, I was hooked on surf fishing. I really didn't care much about freshwater fishing after that. Red October is a dangerous October. <laughs> oh, man. Love it. Most definitely. Uh, since then, I've learned a lot about surf fishing. I've spent many, many hours on the beach. Um, and it... it October is a great month for, especially here in South Carolina, where there's a lot of species of fish that is in the surf that are not here throughout the year. So not only the reds, but it just opens the opportunity for anything and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know if you heard the episode. So when I was talking with Jeremy Evans, uh, the longest cast, uh, I think you actually, I think you heard that when we talked about it a little bit. That's actually where I got my. Uh, my first red as a kid was in uh, was in Carolina there in Goose Creek, and uh, the guy I was with we were in a freshwater or we were in brackish water right there going through the water ways in his boat, 
and I'll never forget it, man. After that, he called it a spot tail, and that memory stuck with me my entire from my childhood. That one's one of my core memories. I'll never forget that redfish. And after I caught one here, after I moved to Florida, it, that solidified me in the surf. So everything you're saying right now, yeah, I'm feeling that in my heart. Oh, yeah. No doubt. We all have those special fish. No matter how many fish we catch in our lifetime, we will always remember those select few. And uh, I've got some memories that we'll talk about later on in the show. But um, the the redfish fishing in Myrtle Beach, when, like I said, I was in my early 20s, that was what hooked me to surf fishing. Um, shortly thereafter that, my wife and I, we bought a camper and we started coming to Myrtle Beach several times throughout the year. And um, my wife and I, we have five children. Uh, the youngest is 17. She'll be 18 in a couple of weeks. Our oldest child is 25. So my wife is, has a lot of patience because I spend a lot of time outside because of five children. And um, she spends a lot of time with the kids and she has done a great job raising the kids and allowed me to have my outdoor time, which I really appreciate. It's kind of a stress reliever for me working in the fire service. Oh, man. Sounds like you got the great teammate right there. That's good stuff, bro. Real good. No doubt. She, she carries me. <laughs> yeah, that's the team. Yeah. Prior to us moving to Myrtle Beach, uh, we moved to Myrtle Beach about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And prior to that, we lived in western North Carolina, like I said. And up there, I had a deer processing business where I processed deer meat. And uh, so my connection with the outdoors and people being in the outdoors has been a very influential part of my adult life because the, this, the thing about the people that like outdoors, whether it's fishing, whether it's hunting, whether it's, um, you know, trapping or whatever you like to do outdoors, it's a tight-knit group. And those are the, the, I've met a lot of people in my life, but these people are the most sincere and the most compassionate people that you'll ever meet. And you form, you form friendships that will last a lifetime uh, just through these connections of having something in common. Yeah, for sure. So this whole time throughout your whole life, you started out in fresh, moved into salt in your 20s with your friend, and now that you're living there in Myrtle Beach, you're going to run a guide service, you've been in the salt pretty much the rest of the time. Is that pretty much correct? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, I mentioned earlier, I, first time I fished was with Chad Kay. So shortly thereafter that, my wife and I, we bought the camera. So right, the camper. right, okay. So we were coming down three or four times a year. Um, and then, so we had the camper for about four or five years. And then her family bought a beach house. So we had open access to the beach. So we come down numerous times. And I surf fished every time, off season, in season. I would fish in December just because I enjoyed surf fishing so much. So the surf here in South Carolina is not very active in December, but you can catch some fish. Um, so I was fishing constantly. And then, um, and I've done that for about 12 years. So I'm 45 years old now. Uh, with that being said, so once we moved down here full time, um, I started fishing and you know, I continued my fishing, I guess I should say, and um, I, I will go out and find new spots. I'm just sitting here searching, fishing, fishing. 
every avenue, every beach access, trying to find out, um, you know, the beach structure, read, reading um, the waves and all that. And it's all came together over the past several years and um, has opened up opportunities for me. That's great. Well, let's talk more about these opportunities here. Well, but we'll keep on with you because I want to keep on this path. Well, knowing all those ones there, what type of fishing do you like to do? Okay, ultimately, my favorite type of fishing is surf fishing. Um, and um, one of the differences between me fishing for myself and me fishing with clients is when I go out and fish for myself or fishing by myself, I take two poles. Uh, I'm taking a pole that I'm setting up for big fish. And to me, big fish is anything over three feet in length. And then I take a small pole that I'm targeting anything less less than three feet in length. And that's kind of unique here on the South Carolina coast because our fish are categor categorized in those two categories. And that way my gear and everything is set up to target those two species. Now, when I fish with clients, of course, um, I look at sea, I look, I try to talk to each client before I take them out fishing. And um, I'm looking to see what their expectations are. Are they wanting to learn how to surf fish? Or are they just wanting to catch fish and have a good time? A lot of my clients are on vacation here in Myrtle Beach, it being a high tourist area of the United States. So they're just looking to come here, catch fish and entertainment, and then they're gone. And then some of my clients are looking to come in and, you know, they may live here. They may have lived here for two or three years, and they just want to learn how to surf fish. So each client that I go out with, um, prior to us going out, I have an in-depth conversation with them to just see what their expectations are. Dude, that's key. I mean, especially for setting up a charter, especially a successful one. You got to know know your customer, know what they want, and hit that goal. So, all right. Now that we've started, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to move into your guide service yet. Can't. You're not going to trick me. We're getting there. <laughs> you almost got me. All right. No. Go ahead. Let's keep on pace. <laughs> oh, we're on pace, man. We're we're doing just fine here. Uh, what is your favorite thing about fishing? My favorite thing about fishing is it's a relaxation time for me. So, like I said, I'm, when I'm fishing for myself. I'm taking two poles out, and I'm going to have a cooler, and I'm going to have an adult beverage in it. And uh, it's about relaxation for me. Um, it's I, Whether the fish are biting, whether I'm catching, whether I'm not, just looking at the, uh, the beach, looking at the water, looking at everything that's going on around you. So in the past two years since I've spent so much time on the beach, I've seen more of God's creations and noticed them and took them in than I ever have in my life. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there fishing and by myself, and there was a bald eagle sitting on a uh, rooftop right behind me on the house, just sitting there overlooking the ocean. And to me, you know, that's the things that are priceless, that in the busy world we live in, that people never notice. And then you slow down and start taking things in, and uh, you start noticing things around you. And to me, that is very relaxing, calming, and gives me peace in this crazy world we live in. It sure is now. <laughs> and it's busy. That's the worst part of it. It is very, super busy. busy. 
now that you so those are your favorite parts for on your time, not on a charter. How do you plan your fishing trips? So my fishing trips on my time, I look I look at the weather ultimately, um, and I look at the wind, I look at the tides, and then I look at the uh, the moon phase. And that's what I base my fishing trips off of. Now, with all that being said, people always ask me, is it better to fish at low tide or is it better to fish at high tide? Is the incoming tide better or is the outgoing tide better? Well, here in Myrtle Beach, it, it really doesn't matter what's going on with that. There's a secret to it that we'll cover a little bit later, but you've got to be where the fish are at. And um, these the between the sandbars sandbars is really the only structure we have on the south carolina coast from myrtle beach up to the north carolina state line outside of the uh, inlets and so you've got to be able to locate the fish if you can locate the fish you're going to catch fish um, so there's a couple secrets to that that we'll get into a little bit later but i don't want to jump ahead <laughs> nice tease got me all like oh come on i love it well, now, so you that's how you planned it. How do you select your spot? So I've got my go-to spots that I fish by myself, uh, which are different than clients um, because I know what my physical capabilities are. Sometimes the clients, I don't know what their physical capabilities are, so it's hard for me to say, hey, we're going to walk a mile and a half and go to this location because we don't have easy parking access. Um, so I will... Me, myself, I know I can make it that mile and a half, and I know what I'm going to target when I get there. Um, if I'm close to a, a jetty, I'm going to target the redfish, the black drum, uh, sea trout. Um, but those are the things that I can do by myself Where with uh, when I'm with clients. I've got to figure out their physical capabilities before I can commit them to the walking, you know, 45 minutes. With that being said, when I'm with clients and we do walk 45 minutes, that takes away from our fishing time that we could actually be on the beach fishing. So it's all about expectations. It's all about catering the trip, and I just want to make sure every client gets what they're looking for out of the adventure. Okay. Well, now that you've selected your spot, knowing where you are going to go, how do you set your gear up when you're there? Now, what I mean by that is with sand spikes, you know, are you putting them far apart? close together where you uh, i guess i can ask these in order but basically how do you set your gear up and we'll go from there okay i'm gonna go on the clientele side of it to start with if that's okay with of course you, go right for it but so normally i use a four pole setup and with depending on the clientele three of the poles i'm gonna be targeting the big fish that we talked about earlier that's anything over three feet so um so I reference my poles as one, two, three, and four, starting from the left and going to the right. And I'll have about 15 to 20 feet in between each pole. Now, I use the PVC pipes that you uh, sink into the surf. Uh, main reason being because they're easy to move and they hold decently well when you do hook up with a big fish. Uh, I have very few problems with uh, the fish pulling my gear too hard to where I feel like I need to go swimming sometimes. You know, I like to keep my gear in the in the sand or in the spike rather than going towards the water, but sometimes that does happen. Um, but, um, so 
I'll put them about 15 feet apart. Rods number one and two are going to be targeting big fish. Rod number three is going to be targeting the small fish, bait fish, um, anything less than three feet. And then rod number four will be targeting big fish also. And then I use a fan pattern as I cast out. So rods one and two, rod one will be at, when I cast it out. And just for lack of better terms, I'm going to reference a clock. So if you're looking at a clock, you, you go, rod number one is going to be about at the 10 o'clock position. Rod number two will be at 12 o'clock position. And then when I move to rod number three, it's going to be targeting the smaller fish. So it's really not going to be fishing at the same distance as rods number one, two, and four. And and then rod number four will be at kind of, say, the three, or not, but the two o'clock position. So I'm casting out in a fan motion with those four rods, but rod number three targeting the small fish will be a lot closer in uh, targeting the smaller fish running the surf. Wow, that's kind of an, I like what you're thinking there. because And correct me if I'm wrong, because my brain is hearing this, so I just want to clarify and confirm here. So you're basically giving it the same heave of strength in the cast just with the different angle you're basically shortening up the distance of you know how far it is from the surf or from the surf sand to the water but you're also getting yourself into a dome so you're hitting all those targets if a fish is going to go by you know you're hitting the 50 yards 80 yards 120 yards and then back down a little bit is that about right that's exactly right, Brian. You you nailed it on the head. You explained it a lot better than I did, but between the both of us, we pulled it off there, I believe. <laughs> no, but I like your method because I, I like that thought process. Because for me, um, granted, there are a lot of times, like nine times out of ten, everybody knows I'm normally fishing with Justin from Justin Reed Fishing. Uh, him and I are just really good fishing partners. We work really well together. Um, and we normally do what we were taught, or how we do it is kind of what Real 30A we learned at a seminar, which is, you know, rod. I do the same one, left to right, one through four. Number one is going to be about 50 to 60 out. Number two, 70 to 90. Number three, 100, 110. Number four, 110 to 120. So you got that range there. But I like what you did with, if you have the room, giving yourself, I can cast the same amount of strength, but I'm covering those distances at different parts and markers. It, it really, I, I like that. That's really, that's nifty. I like it. Thank you for that. Yeah, my, my thought process behind that, Brian, is um, ultimately fishing rods side by side, and I, I target a lot of big fish, and most of my big fish are going to be sharks, red drum, or rays are going to be my big, typically what I catch on the big rods. And uh, they, with the tides we have here in South Carolina, you have to play that to your advantage also. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's always it's always a north it's always pulling north or it's always pulling south, so you set your rods up accordingly. And sometimes the third rod being the small rod might move to number two, and then I might have to just depending on which way the tide's pulling. Um, but with all that being said, um, the big rods when I cast them out, I'm not so much worried about being in the channel where the typical fish that I want to catch on the small rod swimming. So, you know, I'll have my bluefish, I'll have my whiting, I'll have my pompano running these channels on each side of the sandbar. But my big rod where I'm throwing cut, and that's why I use cut bait. I use cut mullet mostly on it. Uh, the fresher, the better. Um, and then I'll also use fresh caught cut bait being 
um, whiting or uh, some bluefish. Now, bluefish, we have a limit on them here in South Carolina, so you have to be careful with your catch ratio. But I will, you turn around and use them for cut bait, and I'm not so much worried about dropping them in the deep channel where the smaller fish are swimming because I really don't want them biting on it, pecking on it, pulling on it. I, I don't mind to land it on top of a sandbar or in the back channel where the smaller fish are not at and that way waiting on the special guy and i have a very good success ratio just by getting it out of the zone where the smaller fish are at and um letting the big guy come to it and find it yeah, yeah that, that would works out everything you've explained works out perfectly with that setup so uh, well done i don't think you could do it any better thank you for that hell i'm actually going to start using your fan technique i'm sorry i'm stealing it I gotta try that, man. That sounds a lot easier than how I do it. No worries. That's what I tell everyone. I, I have zero secrets. Um, I want everyone to be able to catch fish. Fish, whether they're fishing with me, fishing by themselves, there's plenty of fish out there, and that's like I said, it's my passion. It's my, I love it, and I want everyone to be able to experience the same excitement that I get from surf fishing. Good on you, man. Well, this is a perfect opportunity for a little bit of a little pause. Bay check. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is your first bay check of the show. This bay check is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at the whole new redesigned website. He's got rigs, sinkers, terminal tackle, floats and beads, accessories, tools, fish bites. He's got it all. And he's got some secret things coming out here that you should see on the website very soon. Oh, yeah. We're talking about some new special... Oh, I almost let it out of the bag. I can't let it out of the bag. It's his thing to let out of the bag. But head on over to thesinkerguy.com and find your setup and get your order in. Fast shipping and really great products. Thanks, Chip. Appreciate you for being a part of this show. With the now you've got that all done, so we talked about that. So let's talk about the other parts, the other end of the rod here. What types of rigs, uh, what type of rigs, hooks and sinkers are you using? Okay, uh, good question. So Brian, on my um, all my rigs I purchased from the Longest Cast Surf Fishing, Jeremy Evans. Mm -hmm. So that was one of my first um, big game changers to my personal surf fishing game was uh, listening to your podcast and listening to Jeremy Evans talk about his rigs. And um, then shortly thereafter, I lined up a trip and went down and fished with Jeremy, my brother-in-law, and I did. And um, got to firsthand experience on his rigs. And ever since I went over, changed over to using his rigs, uh, my hookup ratio has been much, much more effective and then landing the fish have been much more effective and um, so ultimately on my big rods I use his uh, HD shark rig uh, it's a I believe it's an 8 aught hook and um, with a heavy mono line going down to I think it's a 230 pound maybe mono going down to like a 210 pound uh, wire leader to the eight alt hooks so that's what i use on my shark rigs now anytime i'm using a shark rig i'm also targeting red drum 
So regardless on my big rods, I'm using that rig. And ever since I've started using Jeremy's rigs, I've had to buy me a hook sharpener because I don't lose my rigs no more. But reeling <laughs> in time, dragging through the sand here on the coast, I have to sharpen my hooks from time to time because I do not lose the tackle that I used to lose. Also, uh, in his rig, so I have a pretty much a three rig setup that I use, uh, especially when I'm fishing with clients. So, uh, so I use the HD shark rig, and then he has a double drop uh, pompano whiting rig that I use a lot. And um, the thing about the whiting pompano rig is uh, that has been most beneficial to me and what I've been able to show my clients is that his hooks are tied to the main line. So there's no leader coming off of the main leader that the hooks are floating on. And with that being said, you see anything that touches that hook, you see the minute little bites that you've never seen before. If you get your bait stole uh, in the past, you know, something's picking your bait off, it's, I feel like it's because you have a leader coming off of your main leader with your hook floating over to the side with six or eight inches of play on it. And those fish are still in your bait and you don't even realize it. Now, with Jeremy's rigs, the longest cast surf fishing rigs, those hooks are tied to the main line, which anything that touches those hooks, you will see it on your rod tip. So the little sea robins that we have here in South Carolina at the current time that aggravate everybody, uh, you can see those minute little bites every time. And to me, that has been a game changer, especially a lot of my clients I fish with are children. And if you can put a sea robin on the surf or any fish that you put on the beach, They've had a great day. Jeremy's rigs are very well thought out. And I remember when he sent me the first time uh, he sent me his pompano rigs. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this being so close to the main line. He's like, dude, just try it. I was like, okay. I mean, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to try it. Hooked up on a fish and just continued to hook up. And I'm like, dude, I love it. And he does something that uh, when I showed it to people, they're like, oh, that's not going to work. Um, when he uses the J hooks. And I'm like, it, it works. Well, you sure? You sure? Yes, it works very well. Jeremy's rigs are very, very good and very strong. You can't go wrong You're with exactly this. Um, they they have anywhere from a thirty to a sixty pound mono going to them. So he just came out with a new rig also, that is a single drop uh, whiting rig, whiting pompano rig instead of the double drop. And I think it has a sixty pound mono with it, and it still has the J hook, but it's still very effective. And then the last uh, rig of his that I use on a regular basis is the blue rig, which has, I believe, a 60-pound mono going down to a steel leader. But the difference on that, and it's kind of like the fish finder rig that most people are common with. Um, it has a float on the right next to the hook. So if you've got your line pulled tight, you're fishing the bottom. And this is what I tell everyone. You don't want your bait when you're fishing for bottom feeders you don't want your bait land exactly on the bottom because it will cover up with sand so with that rig and also with his whiting pompano rig the bait is never actually on the bottom even though you're targeting bottom fish um, but if you put slack in your line and the float on the next to the hook it will float it up so you can target fish at all levels of the water you can target mid feeders bottom feeders and you can float that hook all the way up to about 
four and a half to five feet off the bottom, just depending on the length of your rig. Yeah, that's a smart build. I don't think there's anything bad that Jeremy makes personally. <laughs> so, and with all those rigs, they have a name behind them, but what I have found, they are very universal. So, like, I'll take the blue rig and I'll catch some small mullet, live mullet, and I'll hook it in the tail. And since it has a steel leader, I can float it up in midline and let that live mullet sit there and swim. And then you can target other species that are swimming midline with teeth since it has the mid or since it has the uh, steel leader, you know, you're tarping uh, stuff like that. And you can also do that with his heavier duty rigs. Also, you can hook a whole mullet, a larger size mullet, 12 inch and the, uh, because they have a slider, uh, on the weight so you can uh, let the live fish swim and then you can target fish midline or even in the upper levels of the surf and uh, open you up to a whole different species of fish rather than bottom fishing with them okay good stuff there so you, you moved me into another spot here what types of bait and lures do you use okay as far as lures for my uh Guide surface, I really don't use lures because of, uh, I guess you would say, insurance purposes. My insurance <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Liability, I guess, is the correct terminology. Uh, for liability reasons, I'm not allowed to have an eight-year-old on the beach with a couple hundred people standing around slinging lures. So I stick to, I, I straight bottom fish pretty much when I'm fishing with clients. It's kind of match the hatch. I'm going to throw a bait out there. I'm going to let it lay, and then I'm going to wait for something to come get it. Um, And uh, I use a local bait shop here in my area. Uh, It's called Garden Garden City Bait and Tackle. That's where I buy all my fresh bait at. Every trip I take a client out on, I purchase fresh bait. So on my small rods, this time of the year especially, I'm using shrimp. there's plenty of mullet in the uh, surf right now that I could catch. I take my cast net with me on every trip, but it seems like here lately that maybe they're kind of like tired of the mullet because there's so many of them, and the fresh uh, the fresh shrimp has been the hot ticket item. And uh, so I get all that at Garden City Bait and Tackle. It's on um, Highway 17 here in Myrtle Beach, or just outside of Myrtle Beach. It's a Myrtle's Inn address. And uh, Bob Kay's the owner. Uh, he takes great care of me. So if you're ever in this area, I highly recommend going seeing Bob at Garden City Bait and Tackle. And uh, he'll take care of you. Mention John from Myrtle Beach Surf Fishing Adventures, and he'll probably charge you three or four bucks more. <laughs> There's your discount. <laughs> maybe he'll pass it on to me. I doubt it, but maybe he'll pass it on to me. There you go. You never know. Well, how do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire? So what I've learned is when the bite ain't on fire, as far as adjusting the tactics, I constantly do that. If we're not catching fish, if I'm not catching fish, if we're not getting bites, I'm always going deeper, going more shallow, changing my baits. Um, I will do a different presentation, but whenever from the guide service point of view whenever the bite ain't hot and so when i take clients out i do a four hour um surf fishing adventure and so it goes from seven in the morning till 11 
in the morning or I do a 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. depending on the time of the year. In July I'll do 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. But when, so the fish that we're targeting a lot of times when we're targeting the smaller fish, we're waiting for fish to pass through. We're not, they're not laying on beds like when you're freshwater fishing. So we're waiting for a fish to pass through. It's kind of a sit and wait game. But while we're sitting and waiting, what I found works the best, if you can tell good jokes and entertain someone, they're going to have a good time. you got to help them understand the process that you're, what is in front of them. So the, the children that fish a lot, and fish freshwater i have zero they are very attentive and pay a lot of attention and same thing with the young adults but i also fish with this younger generation that are used to playing video games where everything happens at a second's notice that sometimes whenever there's a 20 minute span of period where you don't get a bite they kind of start losing interest and so that's where you have to become an entertainer and that's what i found with uh being a guide and taking clients out is you have to find ways to keep them interested in the surf fishing when the bite ain't on. So even though I can make my adjustments on that end, you still have to play in the background. You know, you have to kind of adjust and entertain them as well. Yeah. Numerous hats when you're in that seat, that's for sure. Well, now, so we've talked about what you like to catch and all the gear there. Let's move into some fun stuff here. What is a bucket list fish that you want to catch one day? Okay, so my bucket list bucket list fish, I have two of them. Um, so I've never caught a citation drum, red drum. And so that's something me personally I want to do. So fishing here in South Carolina in the Myrtle Beach area, we they really don't issue citations. Uh, because any, it's a slot fish. So anything between, so you can keep anything between 15 and 23 inches on a red drum. Anything less than 15 inches, you have to return to the uh, water, and anything over 23 inches, you have to return. So there's no way to get a citation fish in my area in South Carolina. So when I say I do want to get a citation fish, I guess I'm comparing it back to North Carolina, where I'm originally from to where they allow you to check those in and get that, you know. So I'm looking for a 40-inch or plus. That's a big fish. And then my second my second bucket list item, and I've caught several of the smaller. So on the, in the shark species, uh, hammerheads, where I'm at. So I'm wanting to catch, you know, six seven foot hammerhead i've caught numerous bonnet heads some small smaller hammerheads but i really haven't tapped into that big guy yet so that's my second fish on my bucket list that whether it's with a client or it's personal i want to make it happen pure muscle that's all that fish is <laughs> every time i think about a hammer it's all i think pure muscle and I guess that goes back to my firefighting experience. Uh, so I'm a adrenaline junkie. So any, <laughs> the bigger, the better, the more dangerous, the, you know, so the, I get, and that's a big part of why I really enjoy surf fishing because you never know what you're going to catch. You never know what you're going to hook up with. I do want to, I always target, no matter whether I'm fishing by myself or with clients, I've got at least one rod targeting the big guy. <laughs> 
and uh, we're blessed here on the South Carolina coast. They are a lot of big guys here, uh, but you know, sometimes if you don't have the correct equipment and the tackle, you don't get it in. It breaks you off. Uh, I'm finally in a position in my life to where I've got the tackle, I've got the equipment, and I've got the time that I'm spending the time on the beach, and I know it's just a matter of time, and I'm going to tag you in the photo when it happens. Um, we're going to make it happen, and we're going to break this bucket list sooner than later. Oh, please do. I want to see that because that, that's good stuff right there. Well, you led me into a question that I didn't put on um, – Actually, I didn't. Actually, I didn't put in the questions, and I normally do. You're talking about a lot about the equipment there. Let's talk about your equipment. What kind of rods are you using? Length and names, if you want to drop it in reels. Okay, so uh, we'll start with the rods. Uh, primarily, I'm using, and I've picked up a little sponsorship here recently through Bass Pro, and using their house brand Offshore Angler Rods. So primarily, right now, I'm using Offshore Angler Rods. And depending, once again, on the clientele, and I'll explain that more in just a moment, I go anywhere from 8 feet up to 12 feet. So my big rods, when I'm shark fishing, red red drum fishing, my big rods, I'm using 12 and 11 foot rods for those guys. Um, and then if I've got smaller children, and when I say smaller children, that can be anywhere from 6 years old up to 16 years old. Um, some, so they need a lot of help uh, when we're on these excursions if they hook up with anything of any size. So I try to keep some small rods in the rotation. That way, when we do hook up, you know, it's a little easier for them to handle, and then it's a little easier for me to help them. Um, but all my rods I'm using right now are offshore rank, offshore anglers, and then um, also I'm using pin reels, uh, pin battle and pin spin fisher. And on my big rods, I'm using the 8,000 uh, and 8,500 size pin. And on my small reels, anywhere from 4,500 to 5,000. That's nice. what I'm using. So you got, with all those ranges there, what, what kind of pound test are you using for line? Okay, so for my small fish and on my small rods, I'm using 30-pound braid. Uh -huh. And then that's ultimately running to um, the longest cast surf fishing rigs so it's either going on my small rods it's either going to be the whiting pompano or the blue rig and then on my uh big rods i'm going to be using uh 50 to 80 pounds so on my 12 foot rod i use uh 80 pound and excuse me on my 12 foot rod i use 50 pound and on my uh 11 foot rods i'm using 80 pound mono or not mono but braid nice. and uh uh, that's also running to the longest cast surf fishing rigs, and it's going to be the HD shark rigs, what I'm tying those off to. Perfect. Yeah, that's a good setup right there. Nice, strong, and yeah, you're not going to have anything to worry about there with the gear. So well done. And congratulations on the uh, on the new sponsorship with Bass Pro. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So I got a little sponsorship through them and also through pins. So that's why I'm also using the pin reels and throwing them out there. And um, so... That has been a big help. I do a lot of pictures, a lot of videos, and uh, and reimbursement. They they help me out with my reels. I use their equipment and advertise for them. With all that being said, um, a lot of my rods 
for personal use. So when I'm using the 12 foot rods, that's a little bit overkill for a lot of stuff you could catch here on the South Carolina coast. I could catch the same fish with a eight foot rod, but I fish with a lot of inexperienced fishermen and fisher women and fisher children that with the extra rod length and the extra size in the reel, I can tighten the drag down and we can crank them in versus understanding your equipment, playing your equipment and bringing it in, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely does. Let's move into, uh, let's move into your business. So what got you into guiding? So I knew this question was coming along and I gave it a lot of hard thought. Um, and Brian, the biggest uh, thing with why I started doing the guide services and got opened up to it is I've mentioned my past how I spent a lot of time outdoors fishing one thing or another. But uh, here in this area, Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach and this area is very tough fishing in the summertime. If you can catch fish. In Myrtle Beach, you can catch fish anywhere, in my opinion. Now, I've not fished a lot of other places, but with our temperature and our water depth, it's hard. You, you've really got to be on top of your game to be able to put fish on the beach. With that being said, I've been sitting on the beach numerous times, and someone be fishing to my left and someone fishing to my right. I'm catching fish, and neither one of those guys are. And they always come up to me, hey, what are you using for bait? I'm using shrimp. Well, I'm using shrimp too. Why ain't I catching fish? So it comes back to reading the beach structure. And I'm going to tell a quick story right quick if you have time. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, we were good. We got plenty of time. This was an eye-opener for me. So uh, it's been a couple of years ago I was fishing, and a guy come up to me and he said, hey, I want to introduce myself. And honestly, to this day, and I hate to say this, I can't remember his name. I'm terrible with names. I can't remember names for nothing. But anyways, he introduced himself, and I told him my name is John. And uh, he said, uh, I got to tell you something. I've been sitting back here watching you, and you've got the secret to life figured out. I said, oh, yeah, <laughs> sir, exactly <laughs> what is that, that you're talking about that I've got the secret to life figured out? Because I'd like to know because I don't even know that I've got it figured out. He said, I've been watching you, and you're the only person on the beach that's catching fish, and everyone else isn't. And I said, yeah, uh, you know, sir, uh, I fish here a lot. I've got a lot of hours on the beach. And he said, but the secret is that you figured out is you've got to be fishing where the fish are at. He said, none of the rest of these guys are fishing where the fish are at. And I thought about that, and, you know, he's exactly right, so... It goes back to reading the surf, knowing where your sandbars are at, because like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that the only structure we really have are these sandbars. And if you do not put your bait in the deeper channels where the fish are swimming at, you're not going to catch fish. And that's why a lot of people say, hey, high tide's the best time to fish, because they will go out and they'll catch fish at high tide because they're casting the same distance always. And then they go fish at low tide and they cast that same distance, but they ain't catching no fish because they're not fishing where the fish are at at low tide. You have to change your distance and the depth that you're going to fish in these deep channels on either side of the sandbar. And that's the adjustments that most people don't realize you have to make fishing in this area. 
Well, you took care of that question for later. (laughs) (laughs) That, you know, that piece is huge, especially with the whole East Coast. Um, And you put it so eloquently that I, I... I could, couldn't have said it better because you, you basically just took what I've tried to say five or six episodes ago. When it comes to the tides over there you guys have, it's such a big throw of distance that, you know, you've got to be in a different zone every time. So what, you figured Man, that out. Say, I've heard you say it many times on your podcast that you guys have one tide a day. Uh, that that makes me so jealous. That makes me envy you. <laughs> But with with that being said, you know, we have four tides a day. So yeah. we have roughly, it's about six hours and 20 minutes, roughly, uh, between our tides. So it's constantly making adjustments where the tide's outgoing, tide's incoming. There's adjustments to be made. And that's why I set my fishing excursions up in the morning and in the evening. Because at some point in time, I'm going to catch a full-blown hey we're gonna fish in this channel and the fish are gonna be in that channel we're gonna have a slow period but at some point in time during that four hours we're gonna catch fish we're gonna have a good time at other point times during that four hour period that we're fishing it's gonna be a little bit slow and that's when i'm gonna teach you how to read the surf and that's how when i'm gonna teach the clients how to um make the adjustments and how to figure out where the fish are at so it, it's a works to advantage for me by having those the slow times if you if if you have a way of being able to help the client understand what's going on okay makes a lot of sense right there well before we move into the next question we got to take a small break here Bait check number two of the show. All right, moving right along. Hopefully, you've got a bunch of bites done by now, and you got a fish in the cooler, and you're just sitting back enjoying the view and relaxing uh, and just getting ready to go do some more. This bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the products that they have available. Accios reels, six cents rods, apparel, ES lures, fish bites, Frisky Fins Rigs, if you wanted to get your hands on those, hand-tied Ninja Rigs, the coveted Ninja Tackle, or I'm sorry, Ninja Dagger Rods, all the way from 7 up to 12. And if you were into firearms and firearm accessories, you can take a look at the new Ninja Tactical section. Lots of different great things in there, from the Holson sites to ZEV guides, lots of different stuff available. So head on over to NinjaTackleVA.com, get your order taken care of, and get yourself all set up on your fishing and firearms needs. So we started talking about what got you into guiding. Now let's talk about what comes with going on a trip with you when you're when you are going out guiding. Okay, so what comes on, or what comes with going on a trip with me when I'm guiding? is um so i talk to the clients prior to going out on fishing excursions usually i'll reach out to them two or three days prior to their appointment and uh, just confirm hey this is our meeting time and what are you guys wanting to target what are your expectations from this trip and um so myrtle beach is in ori county so one thing we can't do in ori county is target sharks so that kind of eliminates that from fishing in Horry County if they're wanting to target sharks. So 
just a couple miles south of Myrtle Beach is Georgetown County, where we can target sharks. So if I'm wanting to do a shark fishing excursion or have the possibility of targeting sharks, we need to go about 10 miles south. And, um, and we'll fish at Garden City or um, Lynchburg, or not Lynchburg, but Lynchfield Beach, somewhere in that area. And um, I've got several spots that we'll go to, but number one, I figure out what the client's expectations are. And then number two, I try to figure out where their location is, where you stay in, because I want to pick the most convenient spot for them. And that's one thing that I always try to do is if they're staying at an oceanfront resort or a beach house, I will go to their location. Um, I don't, I, the South Carolina surf line from Pauley's Island all the way to the Little River on the North Carolina state line is pretty much the same. So I feel very comfortable and have had great success fishing from Pauley's Island. So I'll go to wherever is best for the client. I bring everything with me, the rods, the reels, the tackle, the bait. I bring chairs for them to sit in. Uh, that way when we do have slow times or if, you know, I'm fishing with someone that is a little bit elderly or has a physical disability they're able to sit down and also a lot of my clients they let me know ahead of time that hey we may have a physical disability to go on and i'll cater to those needs whatever needs to happen i make it all about the client and how we can make the best adventure for them and them ex exceed their expectations nice it sounds like every trip with you is going to be glorious i'm sorry <laughs> like i'm excited for you i'm like all right we, we i want to go fishing let's go you know, uh, and that's one thing that uh, I'd like to touch on also that at the end of the day, it's always fishing. And a lot of clients get that and uh, some clients don't. I've had zero problems since I've started this business up with clients having any complaints on the number of fish or the quality of fish that we caught or catch because I always try to disclose that up front that at the end of the day, it's always fishing. There's always outside um elements that we can't control the best thing we can do is present the bait and present it the proper way to the fish or what works for me that's what i call the proper way now anytime it comes to surf fishing there's many different techniques many different avenues and my way is not the best way but it's what works for me in my area and uh, my clients have always been happy and get very good feedback from them but at the end of the day, it's always fishing, and Mother Nature will make a fool out of you if you let her. Yes, she will. She's vicious, <laughs> but we love her either way. Well, Absolutely. So you kind of talked about this, so I'm, I'm going to summarize the question. So you, when I asked you, I was going to ask you about what do you normally target when you're on a charter, but you already brought that up that you, you really kind of asked the the group that you're taking out, hey, what do you guys want to do? How do you want to go after it? And you also mentioned you go after the bigs and the littles with your entire setup. So I'll I'll avoid that question for you, and thank you for you nailed that one for me. But what is your favorite part about running a charter? My favorite part about running the charter is meeting people. Um, it goes back to the days where I ran and had a deer processing business, and like I said, that's the most loyal. You will make more connections and more friendships. So from from the point that they book the excursion or the adventure we've got something in common they like to fish and i like to fish so no matter what we have something in common going into 
this first time that we meet. And then the whole time we're on the beach, you know, we're getting to know each other better while we're catching fish. And then also with that being said, everybody that walks up and down the beach, there's very few people that come by and don't speak to you and say, hey, have you caught anything? What are you catching? What's biting? Can I see what you got in your cooler? Um, it's meeting the people, having the conversations, talking, and it's all like-minded people. And that's one thing I've learned about living on the coast is people down here are not angry. They're not mad. They're happy to be here, and I'm right there with them. I'm very blessed. I've told my wife, you know, I have two of my most important passions or two of my best passions in life is running and burning buildings and fishing. And I've been blessed to be able to do both of those and do it at a scale to where I get paid money to do it. Yeah, that is pretty glorious, man. Again, another little uh, found the secret of life moment right there, in my opinion. So, well, there you go. You kind of answered this earlier, and I don't know. I'll, I'll ask it anyway. But how is running a charter different than your normal fishing day? So running a charter from my normal fishing day, my normal fishing day is going to be much more relaxed. Uh, whenever I'm fishing for myself, I'm much more laid back, and uh, it is what it is. Now, when I'm on a charter with people, my goal is for them to catch every fish possible that is in the ocean in front of us or in the surf. So I'm working hard. I'm putting fresh bait on. you. And, Brian, you taught me this. You have a bait check every 25 minutes. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, on my small rods, every 25 minutes they get fresh bait. Now, if we're five minutes in and we're getting good steady bites, but they're not, and this is the way I explain it to my clients. So I'm gonna get off. I'm gonna get uh, go on a little rant here. For Send a it. So, so um, here in the South Carolina area, whiting, they're they're kind of a pesterous fish my favorite fish to eat by all means out of the surfer one of my favorite but so they'll pick at my bait they'll sit there and pick at it and pick at it and pick at it and then um after a few minutes they'll swim off and they'll come back and they'll get a, a little ways away and they'll say you know what shrimp was pretty good i'm gonna go back and get it and take <laughs> it to the table and then they'll come back and when they come back they're gonna hammer down on it take it to the table so I, the, one of the hard things to do is get my clients to wait until they take it to the table rather than picking it up reeling in when they're sitting there pecking at it. Um, so, you know, that's the things that trying to coach the clients through that. And then you've got your bluefish or your pompano. Them guys, they're taking it to the table from the get-go. They'll go up to the buffet bar, they'll see that shrimp, and they're carrying it to the table from the get-go. They ain't going to taste it at the buffet. They're taking it, and so, you know, just reading the different bites and understanding the different bites that we have in the surf here, and then on your big rods, the reds and the sharks, and even the, uh, we catch a lot of large stingrays, um, them guys, they take it, they're, they're trying to get to the Gulf Stream as quick as they can. They get it, and they take off. And those things put up a fight. Just that wingspan is pure water. It's like, oh, you're yeah, going to be fighting. Once they get them wings flapping, they're hard to they're hard to deal with. And then if they ever lay down on you and suck oh, yeah. to the bottom, uh, that's a whole different ball game. But um, 
at the end of the day, they're all fun to catch, and that's what my clients look for. Most 90% of them are looking for something fun. They're more in it for the sport, sport fishing side of it rather than taking something home to eat because a lot of my clients are on vacation, and they really don't have the means to cook cook what they catch or preserve it until they get home or whatnot and so you know a, a big part of my clients are just looking to catch something big put on a good fight and have a good time yep absolutely makes sense well, what makes your charter different from others in a saturated guide fishing market good question brian uh so the biggest thing that makes mine or makes me different than anyone else is there's really no one else in this area that does what I'm doing um, in the Myrtle Beach area. They are a few other people who inlet fishing, but with what I'm doing, the business side of Myrtle Beach Surf Fishing Adventures is I'm targeting people that are on vacation. And so this is what I tell, or what I say a lot is that when people come on vacation to Myrtle Beach, the women want to go shopping and they want to go do shows with their children. The men are either going to play golf or they're going fishing. So I'm concentrating on the fishing side of it. A lot of them like to take their kids fishing with them. So that's something that I cater to. I, I work great with children and I look forward. To, I actually seeing the smile on the child's face on the fish they catch is priceless. And then you have a lot of people that fish that um they get seasick if they go out on a boat so there's a lot of boat charters down here that would take you offshore or fish the inlets or you know go to the gulf stream but there's a lot of those uh clients that i fish with that they just get seasick they're not going out on a boat and uh so they will sit on a beach and especially if i come to them they're going to sit there and have the time of their life catching fish from the beach is there anything better than that? I mean, it's, you're fishing and at the beach. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. So if you and I'm not trying to sell the business or nothing, but if you go out on a charter, you're going to spend an hour to hour and a half to two hours riding to your fishing location that you're not going to be fishing. And then once you finish, you're going to be doing the same thing. You're going to make that same ride back to the dock or to the inlet wherever you took left from that you're not going to be fishing so if you do a six hour charter you're only going to get two and a half to three hours of fishing time where um my the clients that i fish with i have everything set up on the beach ready to go at the beginning of their start time and we fish to the last minute and i tell all my clients that we leave the big rods out to the end because there's a lot of good stuff happens at the last minute <laughs> yeah it's that weird hidden prayer the old all right last cast it's like a it's like a special and, bell. And Brian, it happens I guarantee you sixty percent of the time. Yeah, at least that's when it's when one of the big rods take off. And usually that's the nice one of the day. <laughs> it's true. All right. So what is your service area? So I service from Pauly's Island to um now just giving reference to the South Carolina coastline. Myrtle Beach is kind of in the middle. Pauly Island, Pauly's Island is south of Myrtle Beach. So I, I service from Pauly's Island all the way to the North Carolina state line at the Little River Inlet. So it's about a 60-mile spread that 
I will go and meet clients and fish at their location as long as we can target what they're looking to target. That is a lot of beach. I mean, that's a lot of different areas too. I mean, different structure, different pieces. That There's a lot that goes on within those 60 miles. There is, Brian. Uh, but in, in that 60-mile stretch, there's only about four inlets. And outside of those inlets, the beach structure is the same. Uh, we have two sandbars. We have two sandbars here, and uh, depending on the tide level, is whether you want to be on the front side, back side, or in the middle. And um, it's the same. I can fish Pauly's Island, which is the further south, or I can fish up at the North Carolina state line, uh, up next to the Little River, which is the furthest north, and I really don't have to change my tactics. I might have to change my casting distance a little bit just because the slope of the uh, surf or the, the grading of the uh, the water level. But other than that, everything's pretty much the same. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot of distance. So well on. I mean, I'm looking at the map right now and I'm like, yeah, recognize that cut there, that inlet there. There's the river up by Little River, that area, but Sunset Beach being the, the southern part of North Carolina there. Uh, that's definitely a, that's a wide range of targets. So good stuff, man. That's, that's a great area. Congratulations. I kind of, from my home base, I live like in the middle of that. So it's like 30 miles for me in either direction, oh, which okay. is not that bad. No, no, it makes sense. What have been some valuable lessons learned after starting and running a charter? Some of the most valuable lessons I've learned is um, customer relations and PR, being able to communicate. And like I said earlier, so anyone I fish with, we have something in common from the very start, which is obviously they like to fish and they don't know it prior to us meeting, but my passion is fishing. And so we've got something in common from the get-go that we can start building off of. And regardless of the quantity of fish we catch, we norm, normally we can put quality fish in the bucket or on the beach by the end of the excursion, but it's the relationships that you form and the teaching process so i've had numerous clients you know i'll fish with them for one evening and they're on vacation here in the myrtle beach area for the next seven to ten days and for the next seven to ten days they're sitting here sending me pictures of fish that they've caught because of stuff stuff they've learned when we were fishing together i've had numerous clients uh, send me messages. I give all my personal information to all my clients that, hey, if you have any questions, anything about fishing today, tomorrow, next year, when you come down, hit me up and I will share any and all information with you. But I've had numerous clients, hey, we're going to buy surf fishing tackle. What do we need to get? How do we need to start this? And they're going to fish the rest of their vacation while they're in the area. And there's been Numerous times, once again, that I've met them at an off-site location and gave them some of the rigs that I use that I purchased from Jeremy Evans, the longest cast surf fishing, just to get them up and get them started so they can fish on their vacation. So it's just the customer relations and the 
uh, friendships that you form that has been the most rewarding to me from running a guide service. That's great, bro. Wow. That's heartwarming and excellent all in every piece. So nicely done. Are there things you're adding for your clients in the near future? So um, one thing that we're looking to do or I'm looking to do in the near future is looking at doing the uh, drop bait through a drone program. Uh, I'm, I'm playing with it. I've done a lot of research, trying out several different uh, drones. So hopefully in 2023 season starting up and probably mid-April will be when I start up next year looking at offering a drone program where we drop baits that way we can reach a little further out and expose our clients to fish that, that you can't reach from the surf here in, in Myrtle Beach area, Garden City, Pauley's Island, a little river. So we'll be able to reach a little further out and hopefully hook up with some of the bigger guys that we can't right now. It's going to be a, more of a sport fishing program or more of a sport fishing adventure than a surf fishing adventure but that's one uh one thing i'm looking at to add in, in the next six to 12 months to offer my clients oh, that'll be a lot of fun how do people book a trip with you or look up about going on a charter so um the easiest way to book a trip with me is through facebook through my facebook page myrtle beach surf fishing adventures llc if you'll go to that page there's uh, two different opportunities on that page to book an appointment. One will be a calendar view, and the other one will say book now. And uh, either one of the two you can click on, and they will show availability. Um, if the days, and like I said, I do a morning adventure and an afternoon adventure. If one of the two are taken up, it will show, or if one of them is taken up, it'll only show one. If both of them are taken up for that given day, it will show no availability. Um, so you can go to that page. Now, with that being said, here in the past recent weeks, I've had several clients contact me saying that they could not access that. So anyone that wants to book at given any time, you can message me through uh, Facebook Messenger. And also I have a... Um, Instagram page that's this is a long name so I'm gonna write it out there or I'm gonna say it out there so it's Myrtle underscore beach underscore surf underscore fishing underscore adventures underscore LLC underscore Brian I hope you can tag that in the comments oh I got it man. Or in, that's easy okay. <laughs> that hyperlinking sure. all day man hyperlinking and hashtagging it's that's what I do in the post post show <laughs> so, uh, I know that's a lot of garbage or jarbage or whatever but I recently just formed a uh, Instagram page and that's what they steered me to so that's what it is but you can also message me through that you can message me through any one of the social media platforms and um, I will filter through the calendar and make sure that you get what you want if it's available as a customer. Nice. Very nice. Well, that leads right into this one right here. It is your final bait check of the show. Hopefully you've limited it out and you're listening to this in the car on the way home. That would be the best. 
This bait check has been brought to you by Fish Bites. Head on over to fishbites.com and take a look at all the stuff they have. You need saltwater bait? They get you covered. Fight clubs with the curly tails, the fighting shrimp. Oh, yeah, popping corks. Maybe you want the brawler. All that stuff works in the surf, too. But if you like to do the same way I do, I love using the cuts, the strips, the fishing bites, the fishing strips, all those together, all those flavors. I'm a big fan of the crab, personally, electric chicken. That's my go-to, that and the old clam, the else, uh, what, I'm sorry, the sand flea. Coquina clam is nice, but I'm a big fan of the sand flea. They have a new product called Fish Bites Chum. You need to take a look at this big block. It's going to be great. So if you're a boat guy, kayak, or any of that stuff, you use that, this chum block, as long as it's legal to chum in your area, is going to be really good to be used. So take a look at all that stuff from the saltwater side, and you can't go wrong. They've also got apparel and the Fish Bites Trading Post over in the St. Augustine area. If you're in that area, head on into the shop and take a look at all the products that they have available to get your hands on. They also have tackle available online, so don't sleep on that. Head on over to fishbites.com and get yourself set up for success. All right, winding it down here. Now we're moving into the, the nice stuff. What has been your favorite fishing memory? So prior to you doing that, Brian, I got to back up for just a second. Oh, if you back don't it up. Back it on up. And we'll ask that question again. So, no, so with the uh, Fish Bites being the uh, sponsor of this episode, I do have to admit, and one of my favorite top secrets, baits is fish bites so anytime i'm fishing for small fish whether it's pompano whiting bluefish um croaker anything i'm fishing for on my small rods normally i'm using shrimp and then i will also always back it up with a piece of fish bites uh the fish bites uh i use the triangular pieces if that makes sense yeah you cut it into small and, triangles yep and I'll use those. I'll put a small piece backed up with a piece of shrimp, and that way that is my every time, always in my box, every time I drop a bait in the surf, it has fish bites on it. So I had to, and I failed to mention that earlier, uh, but with fish bites sponsoring this upcoming episode, I had to drop that in there. And if any and all of my clients know that because I send them home after we fish every trip with a empty pack because we normally empty it of fish bites that way they know what to use and get in the future <laughs> that's actually a smart trick because i mean if i was on a trip and the guy gave me what was using and being successful oh yeah i'm going to buy that stuff yep. uh so far uh this year in the current area in the past two months it's been the same flea um the two color the uh I'm terrible at explaining this, but it's the orange color kind of with the neutral color on the backing. Yeah. Uh, Same flip. The dual. Yep. It's been on point. Uh, The Pompano right now are killing it in our surf, and my clients are loving it. So Good stuff. Every trip, I have to be a new bag. So there (laughs) we go. All right. Let's see what we All right. So we'll – now we'll move into that question because I can edit that and get it all set up. We're good there. All right, moving what, on to the my favorite catch. What, or, or, what has been your my, favorite fishing memory? Okay, so my favorite fishing memory. So last May, uh, like I said earlier, I work at the Charlotte Fire Department. Myself and um, everyone on my shift with me went on a um, fishing 
trip out of Moorhead City, North Carolina. Uh, we took two separate boats, small charters, and there's six guys on one boat and there's six guys on the second boat, which I, I'm going to consider myself on the first boat, and we were fishing with the Dancing Outlaws out of uh, Moorhead City. We went out, was targeting Mahi, we were tar targeting Wahoo, but this was the week, maybe two to three weeks before the Big Rock Tournament they hold up there every year for the Big Marlin Tournament. And while we were out there fishing, fishing the Gulf Stream, uh, we hooked up with a marlin. We hook, Actually, we hooked up with three uh, blue marlin that day. But this guy that we ended up catching, uh, he is 468 pounds. And I learned shortly thereafter that's a fish of a lifetime. And me being a good old country boy from western North Carolina that's currently living in South Carolina, I did not realize what a big catch it was. It took the six of us three hours to rotate out of the chair, reel that guy in. 468 pounds. Uh, I can't remember how many inches he was, but that was the biggest fish I've ever been in close proximity to. And I was the first one in the chair. So for me, that was very special. And uh, once we came in from at the end of the day and we was coming in, uh, there was a crowd of about 75 to 100 people waiting by the scales because they radioed those fish in. And so they knew what we were bringing in before we got there. And we pulled that guy up on the scales that they weighed the fish in at the Big Rock Tournament and took pictures and all. And to me, that was a very special moment. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> oh, man, that had to have been intense. I'll, I'll send you some pictures later on, Brian. But that was a, to me, and like I said, at the time, I did not realize, and none of us did. None of uh, the six of us knew what a big deal that was uh, to catch a fish of that quality. And that was one of three that we landed that day. The other three were a good bit smaller, but uh, still put up a good fight. But we ended up boating that guy. And I'm like, honestly, whenever we was fixing to put it in the boat, I'm like that big old, some of the guns getting in the boat with us, you know, because it's just a small yacht. It wasn't a big boat, and the fish took up all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> wow, nice. that's a great memory, man. Really, really great memory. Oh, so, I mean, with that then, where would be a dream place for you to go fish sometime? So, I've been blessed. I've fished a lot of places in a small area that I've traveled <laughs> Uh, and so my wife and I, we like to spend time on the beach together. Um, uh, you done the episode last week from Australia, oh, which yeah. is one of my, yeah, that's going to, that's going to be a, and when I say last week, we're referencing the first of, uh, September. Um, but that, that's one of my go-to continents that I like to go to and fish but also um, the Gulf side of Florida with the clear water, uh, I would love to fish because I'm used to fishing the Atlantic side of the eastern United States, and the clear water is not so much a uh, a uh, it, it's just not here. <laughs> yeah. You know, we have a, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. 
I've been to the Gulf side of Florida, and it's very pretty, and that would be somewhere that I would like to, in my future endeavors, me and my wife to go to and be able to fish. Well, I look forward to when you come down here, because when you do, I I hope we can go fishing together. I'll give you a shout, no doubt, my friend. Perfect. All right, so we're coming up on the last two questions here for you. What do you recommend a new angler should do before ever putting a line in the water? A new angler, in my opinion, needs to do a lot of research for whatever area he's fishing, whether it's here in Myrtle Beach or down in your area in Florida or over in Australia. Learn the regulations. Learn the species of fish that are available in the surf and um, be able to identify them because a big part of being able to uh, understand what you catch is knowing the regulations and if you can't identify the fish that you uh catch it's going to be hard to understand the regulations and then at the very end of it is just have patience understand that it is not a catching game it's a fishing game and once you can understand that you'll get a lot more peace in uh, what you're doing and be able to enjoy it more because it's not the expectation of catching the fish it's more of oh hell i just caught this fish so that's my recommendations those are good ones right there that's solid well the best most important question at the end what's next for you so moving forward in the future like i said i i still am a full-time firefighter I've got a couple years before I can retire, and once I so right now I'm building the business for retirement. And once I retire, I want to continue fishing, no doubt, but I want to fish with the clients that I fished with in the past. And moving forward, I want to hire on new guides and uh, get expand and let others do what I'm doing and help them get the start and understanding, you know, the the passion and the appreciation of the surf fishing game and then uh, i want to continue the customer service that i have make sure all clients are happy and that's at the end of the day that's what it's all about for me if i can fish with a client or my business can provide a service for a client and at the end of the day they're happy and it was well worth their time and on the social media platforms, they're leaving good positive reviews saying we can't wait to next year to visit and spend time with John Scheidel with Myrtle Beach Surf Fishing Adventures. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's priceless. And they don't understand, the clients don't understand that at the end of the day, I get as much enjoyment from that as they do from their vacation. Making dreams come true while on vacation, man. That's good stuff. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and having the conversation and telling us all about your business. I seriously appreciate it, and I've enjoyed every minute. You've given me some great knowledge to try the next time I'm out surf fishing, and if I'm ever in Myrtle, uh, you can rest assured I'm calling you. We're going fishing. That's for sure. Please do. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks again, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Thank you. Yes, thank sir. you, Brian. All right, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. We just got done talking with Myrtle Beach Surfishing Adventures, LLC, John Scheidel. Great episode 
I had a ton of fun, and I know I've like I said, we're gonna I've used quite a few things he's got going are gonna happen here in the surf for me. So if this show was helpful for you, please don't forget to like it and follow the page of Finding Demo Surf Fishing and share it out to somebody that might need it. If you know somebody that's going to South Carolina and is a big fisherman and angler, you got a couple episodes to choose from. Share this one out. Help them out to become successful while they're down there on vacation. They can't go wrong. Thanks to all my sponsors for coming on, helping me make this show bigger, better, and faster. I appreciate you, and I've always, and I appreciate your help in helping me do all that. I appreciate you, the listener, for giving me all this time that you have on every episode and helping me make this show more useful to you. So until next time, get out there, go fish, take care of yourselves. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I'm out of here.